0: Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you, God, that we never take it for granted, this opportunity to come and minister together. I ask that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. It is always my prayer that everybody under the sound of my voice get something out of the message that they can use, that they can use and make their lives better. Father, not years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's been a while since I really gave you guys some, some real good, good, good Smith story stuff. But I have a Smith story for you. You know, we were, we were, we were able to minister in, in Tampa on Wednesday. And so I shared some of this Smith story. But, you know, I say something back for the family. I keep something in reserve in my hip pocket. You know what I'm saying? Hold that for me, baby. you you're already looking away from me. It's all love. You know that, right? Well, a couple things in the Smith household, you know, give you something hot, hot off the press. This morning, we get up, and we're heading out, and my daughter, yeah, come here. Stand up for me, baby. This is my, this is my daughter. See, she's got on heels today. She's not really this tall. So she's got on This is just for perspective. Okay, you can have a seat. Thank you. So today... So today, we get up, you know, and we're on the way out. And her and her mom are having one of those daughter-mom exchanges. And so I tell Greta, I say, now, careful now. She got on her heels today. You know, she taller than you, so she feel like she can tell mama a little something, something. Greta, under the sound of her voice, looks over her shoulder and say, that's all right. It just means she just fall harder. (laughs) I was like, "Okay, All right, all right, all right. My baby still got a little something in her, you know. So another another Smith story, you know. We had we had come back from vacation and this part I shared in Tampa from vacation, and at the end of vacation, Greta said, Hey, let's get a pedicure. And a pedicure is not really my thing, but I said, okay, I'll go. So we go get a pedicure, and as we're getting the pedicure, you know, they get us in the chairs and they're in these kind of, you know, chairs with a massage thing and everything, you know? And so a lady runs, Greta's right next to me to my left, so she's running the water, it's two different ladies. I got my own lady, she's doing my petty thing and doing Greta's petty thing. And so she puts the the water in there, but the water's hot. And so I put my foot in there, but I keep taking my foot out. She's trying to get me to kick my foot in, but it's hot. I'm like, what you making, neck (laughs) bones? It's hot. (laughs) It's hot, you know what I mean? And I know she's talking English, but they talk to each other in a language that's not English. So she kind of, you know, eat too hot? I'm like, yes, yes, it's hot. So they put a little cold water in there. And my wife says, wait, well, go ahead and turn the massage thing, you know. But I, like I said, it's m- not my thing. And I'm fine in the chair just the way it is. But it's like, try it out. So it has these, like, little ball things. And it's digging in my back. And I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And so Greta's like, "Lay back, lay back." I'm like, "This thing is hurting me." <laughs> so she tells me, she say, "Well, is it hurting?" I'm like, "Yes, it's hurting." So okay, well, don't worry about it. She let me kind of do my thing there. Now here's the part I ain't sharing, Tam. <laughs> We're sitting here, and now Greta and I—I I mean, the chairs are close, so she and I can have some good discussion. So I'm sitting in my chair, right, and they're getting ready to do the thing, and I tell Greta, I say, the ladies in there, and I say. This lady gonna wonder why I'm here with this these baby soft feet I got here. <laughs> and Greta's like, oh please, I say, I say, she gonna be like, Were well, you just born, I mean, these, my skin is just soft, Greta. <laughs> They're gonna just wonder why, why am I even here? Oh. So Greta's like rolling her eyes, right? So I'm sitting here, and then they come out with the with the stuff, and, and they put all kind of stuff in the water, yeah. orange peel stuff and all this other stuff. And so I'm just sitting back and trying to enjoy myself. And the lady has like a little bitty, little bitty cube. She started to rub my feet and like rub around my feet. Mm-hmm. Well, Greta Lady take out like a cheese grater. <laughs> <laughs> that thing got like a handle on it. I'm like, good Lord. I say, baby, that lady finna put this on work. <laughs> she say, shut up, shut up. I'm like. That thing got a handle on it. (laughs) She's like, be quiet. I'm like, woo, woo. That lady finna put in some work. And so I'm messing with her the whole time. (laughs) But she just there. You know, doing it, and so I was I was there with her. So that's that's pretty much all the good Smith updates. But I tell you what, man. A, okay. Mr. Frank said he served dinner at six. Anybody got a bed for me? Got a bed for me? Anybody, anybody. You can sleep over here, Pastor. <laughs> Get home, my clothes be in the driveway. Like, Come on, baby, just a joke, nah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. You know, we've we've had a fantastic time talking about loving ourselves. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm almost wanting to say that. There's a movement underway. I I think we have started something positively infectious. Infectious, just loving yourself. And it's really, really nice to know that regardless of your situation or your circumstance or what you're going through, that you always retain the authority to love yourself. It's a powerful revelation. If you take it and you hold fast to it, it's a powerful revelation to know that in any moment, all you have to do is not let go of those three simple words, I Love me. Loving ourselves indeed is a good thing. But family, I'm going to interject that we need to allow our love to flow both ways. When I say both ways, I mean that our hearts need to be equal opportunists when it comes to love. We need to be as forthcoming in giving love as we are in receiving love. Right. When I talk about loving, I am not addressing our love for God because the Bible tells us that loving God is a given In Matthew 22, Jesus says it like this. Loving God is the first and great commandment. But he also said that there was a second commandment that ran a close second. And that second commandment is that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. This second commandment deals with our love walk as it relates to other people. If you would turn to 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 20, I'm in the Message Bible here. We're going to talk about love. and In 1 John chapter 4, if you were to go all the way through it, which we ultimately will, It's all kind of discussion concerning love there. But here it reads, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. That's pretty strong. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Our hearts must be as free to give love as they desire to receive it. Anything in our heart that hinders that needs to go away. We must take the position that anything in our heart that obstructs, refrains, blocks, stops, the free flow of love has to be something that we do away with because it'll hinder our success in the love area. If we were to take a listing of the various elements that hinder us with respect to our love walk from other people, unforgiveness, I would be willing to bet, would top the list. You may be asking yourself this question. Pastor, because you're introducing the subject of unforgiveness, does that mean we're moving away from our discussion of loving ourselves? Does that mean that we're going to stop proclaiming out loud that, hey, I love me. My answer to you would be no. To the contrary. Unforgiveness is a key element in loving yourself. Here is why. Unforgiveness is the thing that will still root you in love. If you're dealing with unforgiveness, we want you to view unforgiveness as an unwanted anchor. Unforgiveness, for unforgiveness shackles you to hurt. It binds you to pain. It restricts you from receiving the joy in your life that God wants you to receive. Say this with me. Unforgiveness... Rent space, in my heart rent space in my heart that should be filled, that should be filled with better, with better more, pleasant more pleasant feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions. That's unforgiveness. <clears throat> Another critical thing about unforgiveness is that unforgiveness will only allow the heart to love, but so far. Unforgiveness will not allow a heart to love deep. Unforgiveness will force one's heart to keep its affections in the shallows. Take this as an example. You have a husband and a wife. And this example is, you know, Greta and I have, have experienced this as well, but you have a husband and a wife. Let's do generic. They care for each other. But at the moment, they happen to be mad at each other. Everything in them knows that they shouldn't feel this way, but they're mad. Due to the fact that they're mad, They may be in the same room, in the same restaurant, in the same park, in the same mall, in the same car. Wherever they are, they're in the same place. But every aspect of of who they are, their body language, the fact that they're silent, says they are not interested at all in interfacing with each other. It's clear. Suddenly something happens. Something happens that breaks that, that anger, let's call it. Perhaps they, they watch something funny on TV while sitting in the same room. Or maybe they observe at the same time some event that happens that causes them both to reflect back to something humorous that happened in the past. You know, it reminds them of the time that, you know, they they auntie fell down the steps or the time where they're their, their uncle crashed his bicycle or their cousin fell in the pool or the neighbor got chased by a dog or grandma teeth fell out at the wedding. You know, something funny breaks that, that anger flow. At that moment, with it broken, they begin to laugh together. She's cracking up, hitting him on the shoulder. He leaning on her. Remember that time? They are just laughing. All of a sudden, they're just, it's broken because they remember something that got them to forget the anger. But eventually, somebody's heart says, wait a minute. I'm mad at her. I'm mad at him. I don't want him touching me why why are we laughing with her? why are we having fun with the enemy right there that unforgiving heart at that moment causes them to go right back to drawing those hostile battle lines why because an unforgiving heart won't love but so far an unforgiving heart will keep its affections in the shallows the bad thing about having an unforgiving heart is this When you have an unforgiving heart, that unforgiving heart imprisons you. An unforgiving heart imprisons the person holding on to the unforgiveness. Family, God wants each and every one of us to love ourselves enough to free ourselves. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're dealing with unforgiveness as it relates to loving yourself. Let's dive in a little deeper. I'm going to be in the Message Bible, gentlemen. 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It reads this way. One day David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so, i like to show him some kindness, kindness in honor of Jonathan. Now, why would David ask if there's anyone left from Saul's family? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 31. He asked this question starting at verse 1. He asked this question because Saul and his sons, Jonathan being one of them, were casualties of a Philistine attack. Starting at verse 1 in 1 Samuel 31, it reads like this. The Philistines made war on Israel. The men of Israel were in full retreat from the Philistines, falling left and right, Wounded on Mount Gilboa, the Philistines caught up with Saul and his sons. They killed Jonathan, Amminadab, and Malchisua, Saul's sons. So they killed his boys. The battle was hot and heavy around Saul. The archers got in, in his got his range and wounded him badly. So he was running, but them arrows eventually caught up with him. Saul said to his weapon bearer. Draw your sword and put me out of my misery, lest these pagan pigs come and make a game out of killing me. But his weapon bearer wouldn't do it. He was terrified, so Saul took the sword himself and fell on it. When the weapon bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, and his weapon bearer, the men closest to him, died together that day. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. So that dealt with the first part. Why would he ask if there's anyone left from Saul's family? When we look at the second part of 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, the second question he asks is 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 there anyone, first he says, Is anyone from Saul's family left? If so, I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. Why would he want to show kindness? in honor of Jonathan. If you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Why are we talking about Saul and Jonathan, and why are we going to make a distinction? Saul, David, and Jonathan initially all shared a certain rapport. Eventually, however, Saul, because David's popularity was growing with the people, he began to get frightened of and threatened by David. So he wanted to kill him. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, go to verse 28. We're going to read this just to give you a little flavor for how Saul's heart turned towards David. 1 Samuel 18 is the chapter right after David has defeated Goliath. 28 says, As Saul more and more realized that God was with David and how much his own daughter, Michal, loved him, his fear of David increased and settled into hate. Saul hated David. Jonathan, on the other hand, had a deep, Love and friendship for David. His friendship for David ran very deep. In that same chapter, creep up with me, starting in verse 1. Still in the Message Bible, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Listen to Jonathan, how Jonathan felt about him. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. Saul received David into his own house that day, no more to return home, to return to the home of his father. Now, we read later in that chapter, he hated him, right? So right here, very important to note, he, he cared so much about him, quote unquote, cared so much about him that he invited him into his own house. Verse 3, Jonathan, out of his deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. Keep that on the, on the screen for me. I want you to notice something. I'm going to read this out of the voice version of the Bible, and we're going to point out something a little different. It says that Jonathan formalized it with solemn gifts, his love, his covenant, His affection for David, he formalized it with solemn gifts. But look at the picture, the voice version of the Bible lays out because Jonathan has a, gosh, he has a deep affection for David. He's not just giving him gifts there. Verse four in the voice says he, meaning Jonathan, took off the robe he wore and gave it to David. He didn't just give him gifts. He took off the robe that he wore and gave it to David. Remember, Jonathan is Saul's son. Jonathan is the ruler's son. He took off the robe he wore and gave it to David and also his armor, sword, bow and belt, symbolically transferring David his right to ascend to the throne. Notice that. Jonathan's love for David was deep. Clearly, Jonathan had a great love and respect for David. We could almost say that Jonathan was a true friend. He was a true friend. Let's get this closer to us, though. Some of us carry unforgiveness of hurt caused by true friends. Some, let me say that correctly, some carry unforgiveness of hurt caused by close friends. Why do I change that? Because if we could put the hurt to the side for a moment, we never tell you your hurt's not real. We never tell you that your pain didn't happen. But if we could put the hurt to the side for a moment, the hurt that that friend caused you, then we can truly entertain the question we should be entertaining. And that is this. Was that individual that hurt you really a close friend or just a frequent acquaintance that was close? Was the person really a close friend? Or was the person just an acquaintance in your life that you saw often? If you don't mind, go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Talking about loving ourselves, But we have to deal with unforgiveness. It reads this way. Proverbs 18, 24, Message Bible. Friends come and friends go. But a true friend sticks by you like family. Whether one recognizes it or not. Generally. One circle of true friends is small. One circle of true friends is usually quite limited. If one really took a look at it, it's limited. Here's what I believe, though. I believe when people are talking about hurt caused by those close friends, that those individuals tend to overestimate the depth of relationships between them and their acquaintances. you assume they were a close friend because they were there all the time. But you never know when somebody's a friend until you need a friend. Right. Sort of like you don't know what you got in somebody until it's tested. We have a family member. name is Nick. Nick used to to be a trainer in the Marines. He was also SWAT for a while. I love it when he tells this story. Every now and then I get a chance to let him kind of dip me in it some more. He says, Benjamin, it always amazed me how young people would come into the Marines expecting me to trust them. Just because who their family might be. Or just because they just showed up on the scene. I can't tell you how much I had to tell mothers that I know you think your boy special, but I am not going to trust him on the battlefield until I know what I got. He said, I've seen guys bigger than anybody on the football field break down under the pressure. And then I've seen guys that you think would run at the first sight of of harm, go into the battle and just tear it, tear it, tear it down. The truth is, Benjamin, you don't know what you got. Until you put it through the test. Friends are the same way. Family, you don't know what you got. Until they've gone and passed the test. So if you're holding unforgiveness because a friend hurt you, be sure that you categorize that person properly as a friend. And make sure that that person wasn't just an acquaintance that just happened to be frequently close. back to David, Solomon, and Jonathan. You know, David David had reason to disregard Saul's family. If you don't mind, put 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 back up for me, Message Bible. He had reason to disregard Saul's family. We read in the Bible that Saul hated him. And if you just read through those accounts of how Saul just went after David and throwing javelins at him and trying to get him killed, you would recognize, listen, David had all justifiable reason to disregard Saul, his family. Yet, he said something. Put that scripture on the screen for me, 2 Samuel. Chapter, go to verse 1. He had every reason, but he still said, He wanted to show some kindness in honor of who? Honor honor of Jonathan. Just leave that on the screen for me. David still wanted to show kindness to anyone in the house of Saul in honor of Jonathan. Just based on the brief history that we've already talked about between those three men. Here is how we can rephrase that question that David is asking there in verse 1. In the Message Bible it says is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. We can phrase that this way. Is there anyone of my enemy's family that I can show kindness to in honor of the one who befriended me and remained my friend through all my challenges and troubles. Is there anyone left in my enemy's family that I can show kindness to in honor of the one who befriended me and stuck by me through all my troubles and challenges? David's reflection of his friend, Jonathan, is the underlying love that's driving him to want to do something good for someone who wanted to do him wrong. Said differently. David's reflection of his friend's Jonathan's undying love towards him is motivating David to extend kindness to others where he might not ordinarily do so. Let's draw this closer to us, because as believers, we have true friends. We have true friends. One of those friends being Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 28. The underlying love. For the friend. Who never left David is the driving force for him wanting to do something good for someone that did him wrong. Matthew 28, verse 20. I'm in the King James Version with this one. Jesus, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, Jesus talking, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Jesus is that friend that's going to stick to you closer than a brother. We also have the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 in the Message Bible. Go there for me. We've read this one. It's talking about our body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. Message Bible version. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. So the Holy Spirit is so close that the Holy Spirit resides on the inside. God said he'll never leave us. Go to Hebrews 13, verse 5, Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. was the one with the Holy Spirit? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Amplified Classic. It reads this way. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake Nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now, the fact that heaven has endowed us with such a great level of friendship, we want to bring David's question down to where it really, really stretches us. Please put 2 Samuel. Chapter 9, verse 1, Message Bible, back on the screen. If we were to begin to massage that and bring it into our lives, we could say this. Is there anyone I can show kindness to in honor of the one who never fails me, never forsakes me? never stops supporting me, never stops being there for me. Is there anyone I can show kindness to in honor of the one who lives inside of me, who said they would never let me down, assuredly not, that said they would be with me always, even until the end of the world. Is there anyone I can show kindness to in honor of the one who's never left me. Let's tighten it up even more. Looking at this verse on the screen, what did we say? We said, first of all, Saul hated David. We said that Jonathan loved David. We said that David wanted to do something good for Saul in honor of Jonathan. Here is where we get stretched. Here is where unforgiveness and your faith meet the road. The question we should be asking ourselves is this. Is there anyone from the house that hurt me that I can show kindness to in honor of the God who has never stopped loving me? David is saying, is there anyone left in the house that hurt me? That I can show kindness to in honor of the one that never stopped loving me. Family, is there anyone in your life that has hurt you that you can show kindness to in honor of the God that saved you? We're talking about loving yourself. If you look back in the earlier chapters of your life and you review what you have been calling a hurt, if you're choosing to hold on to it and justifying it because they hurt me, I'm asking you, is there anybody in your past that's hurt you that you can show kindness to in honor of God Who loves you, who saved you, who justified you, who gave you the ability to be called righteous, who put the words believer in your mouth. Move down to verse two. Verse two. That's a good place to stop. We're going to pick up there next time. I don't want to move off of that yet. I don't want to move off of that yet. Hurt and unforgiveness. When we say that unforgiveness... An unforgiving heart will only love so far. No truer words have ever been spoken. A woman who has been hurt before. Will restrict love to another man that's trying to be everything that God has called him to be for her. Because the unforgiving heart will only love so far. Realizing that something in his life has bound him into an unforgiving hurt that's so deep that he can't move forward is something, gentlemen, that we got to break. Because holding on to unforgiveness only imprisons the person that's holding on to it. God wants you free. You can't separate loving yourself from holding on to unforgiveness. Because loving yourself includes learning how to forgive. we'll pick up there next time. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.